Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. <laughs> Hi. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 162 of the All Dolphins podcast, where we are coming at you from both sides with the Montreal Expos hat. Can you tell who is who? <laughs> Omar, I, I already had plenty of respect for you. Now, now I have it's grown exponentially. Hat tip to you, my friend. Hat tip to you as well. Very nice. Are you taking it off already? Okay. <laughs> I'm not a hat person. Uh <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, I like it though. Love it. Episode 150, 162 on this Thursday, December 14th, 2023. As always, we'll start with our hat tip. Not a whole lot more 62s left after we gave a shout out to Jim Langer, I think it was. Let me look at my notes here. Yeah, Hall of Famer Jim Langer, the first go around. This time, I am going to go with somebody who played only two seasons for the Dolphins, but merits mention because he was part of one of the greatest plays in team history. I'm the miracle in Miami, and I'm talking about guard Ted Larson. Oh, who got up some a lot of attention for being all the way downfield throwing a block somewhere around the New England 40 or 35 yard line on the play to spring Kenyon Kenyon Drake. Good guy, Ted Larson. He was? Yeah, I thought he was a good guy. He was. I was about to make the point that he's someone who did not enjoy the media talking to the um, media. Guys treated me. You know, I, I, I always got treated differently by the offensive linemen because they know I, I loved them. They knew I, I, I was harsh on them. I gave them love. Remember when they had the velvet rope? Remember when, when they had the velvet ropes in the locker room? And nobody can come inside the velvet ropes of the offensive line area. But they let me in all the time. Just because I was one of the guys. Because you're special. Oh. Uh, and it's not just me, too, Dirk. You can ask uh, tomorrow when, when we're in the media room about recollections of Ted Larson. He was he was kind of prickly, and I don't know him. I don't know if that's who he is off, I mean, away from football activities. But in terms of his dealings with the media, yeah, he was pretty clear he didn't care for us. Anyway, back to... Thursday, December 14th, and man. And speaking about centers, because Ted Larson was a center. Nice segue, very guard center, but very good segue. 
Oh, yeah. Um, right now, we knew the Dolphins were facing an offensive line crisis uh, heading into Sunday's game against the New York Jets. I don't think we knew the full length and depth of that crisis um, to the point where Liam Eikenberg's in a walking boot with a calf injury that would have kept him from practicing for the last two days. If he were, to, if they were to practice, they've only done nothing but walkthroughs. Um, this is what happened when you play on a Monday night game in December, have a short week to prepare for a, a division rival. So don't think that Mike McDaniels is going easy on the players. This is what happens when you play in the NFL and you get to December. And also what happens is injuries change the landscape or the trajectory or the um the scope game, of the game plan of practice oh uh, not just game plan of practice but game plan of the game and yeah, yeah, but I right now the dolphins are preparing to play their game not with sunday without their starting center connor williams and also without their backup liam eikenberg and jonathan harris who was signed on wednesday harrison. huh sorry harrison sorry. harrison Jonathan Harrison, who was signed on Wednesday, is potentially going to have to learn an offense and execute a game plan in one practice and then make it to a game on Sunday. Your options are either play a, let's just be generous and say 70% Liam Eikenberg, who I think is okay when fully healthy. I'm pretty sure he's not going to be okay when 70% healthy. Start Lester Cotton at center and move him from left guard. Then you'd have to find a new left guard. Right now, your only options are, let's just say, mm, Kendall Lamb. Let's throw that out there. Let's put Deion Smith. Let's throw that out there. Oh, Chase and uh, Hines. Chase and Hines. We could throw that out there. Practice squad player. Or Matt Scorer, who practice squad, who just got signed to the practice squad on Wednesday as well. Um you're not really picking from the, the great options here, or you're going to have to start a Jonathan Harrison or a Matt Score, both guys who got added to the team on Wednesday. Um, doesn't look good. No, and I, I want to make a point too, because I know a lot of people were, were I don't want to say bugging me, they were asking throughout the season about, what about, well, Alama Uluave. Well, for, if you have a rookie who's on the practice squad to begin with, I mean, all let's, season, all season, let's temper the expectations. And the reason he was out there and they kept him out all this time is he's not ready to help us, but maybe there's something there. Let's see if we can develop him. But then a crisis uh, ensued and it's like, we need the, we need the practice squad roster space because we need bodies at center and guys who actually know how to play. So correct. So a lot of, there was something there, but not enough to keep you, and, and keep us from bringing Matt Skirt to the practice squad. Um, so, yeah, it's he not. He got dumped like, with the quickness. You got what? He got dumped with the quickness. Because I, 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 and here's my thing on that. And I don't want to belabor Olave. I don't want to poop on his bad day because the man just got fired. Um, but. I've never understood why you keep a guy on your practice squad and developing him and investing him if in a pinch you wouldn't even consider him as an option. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. And to me it makes sense because throughout the season they didn't have this kind of emergency or need 
at center and there was enough there that that they saw could be developed in time in time so and if it then, could be developed in time why isn't it being utilized right now you basically just took two guys off the street who weren't in the nfl and said we would rather rely on you than the guy we've invested in for how many weeks now good god 14 weeks who's a rookie free agent who's who, who the dolphins obviously felt was not ready for game action so then he shouldn't have been on your practice squad again if he wasn't preventing you, if he wasn't like stealing somebody else's right, and they have 16 practice squad spots. It's okay to have one for a guy who's a project who right now you don't want to have to count on, but who, who you see there's something there that maybe you can develop. So anyway, okay. I, I'm not going to poop on that man. He just got fired. So let no, me, let, let me, no, move that's fine. and, but my overall philosophy on the practice squad is generally it's veterans who you can elevate, who need to get in game shape, i.e. Melvin Ingram, uh, i.e. Matt Skura, generally speaking, or it's guys who are, quite frankly, at the risk of being rude, are just quite not not quite good enough to be on the active roster who can help you in a pinch. And but they then, should be developmental players that in a pinch, which this is a pinch, you can count on. Or number three are projects. And this is where, again, you have 16 Anyway, uh, we should move Braylon on. Sanders is a project. In a pinch, he will get activated and elevated. Correct, Olave. because he's further along than, than Alave is. Anyway, again, we're spending too much time on Alave. We uh, will I want to make another interesting point that I think needs to be made. And this because there's so much social media narrative about the idea of resting players and why is this guy not playing if when Mac McDaniel says he could have played, but we're holding him out. And no, no, th this is not, those are not my words, resting players. Yes. It's fans who are suggesting that why is he holding, for example, Robert Hunt or, or guys who may, because Mike McDaniel, what he keeps saying in press conferences is that guy can play, but we want to protect him against himself and all that. Folks, number one, if the guys could play, without an, an undue risk of aggravating an injury, they would play. Number two, also make room for the possibility that when Mike McDaniel is saying, oh, he was so close, he could have played, but we would want to take the risk. Is it not possible that Mike McDaniel may be exaggerating how close they were to being ready? Who are we talking about here? Players who have missed games. Javon Holland, for example. The, is, it um, is it possible that Mike, that Javon Howell, because Mike, the way Mike McDaniel's talking, or oh, he was like so, so close every week. Is it possible that maybe he wasn't quite so close and that Mike McDaniel didn't want to reveal that early in the week? This is, that's, this is a situation where clearly they felt like, and, and he told QAM he has MCL strains. Correct. I don't want to, I don't want to like, Focus so much on Javon Holland. The, the bigger point, for yeah, example, but this this really only applies to Teron Armstead, Robert Connor Hunt. Williams, Connor, Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, Connor Williams' in, initial injury. Robert Hunt's another one, absolutely that people are bringing up. He can he can't play. He can't play right now. Correct, and but that's my point that there are some fans who think that McDaniel's got to stop with this idea of resting players to save him from the long run, which you and I have mentioned, but not in the terms. Of saving to me, it's never about saving players for the long run. It's it's not rushing them back and then having yeah. Boom! What happened to Robert it, Hunt it, now? Exactly, exactly. You're perfect. It's about 
having what happened to Robert Hunt not happen or having Teron Armstead playing at 80% as opposed to 70% and getting worse. Um, and I mean, shouldn't you be able to identify when a player is putting themselves into harm's way? I could tell you, and, and I hate to say this about Teron, but when he was playing injured, he wasn't himself. And it impacted the team. So the best approach is to put the guy out there when he's healthy. And unfortunately, there are veterans and warriors who will go out there and play at 70%. And I, I'm pretty sure Tehran is going to be like, no, I'm playing this game because this is my line. This is my unit. We, we need me out there. And so I, I, you know, I have a hard time believing Mike McDaniel can force him to sit out because last week, hell, Frank Smith, the offensive coordinator, basically said Tehran decides when he plays. It, we we don't we don't really have a say in that, and huh, it's it's just in an ideal world you would feel like, and I hate that we bring it back to Tehran because I know you're sick and tired of talking about Tehran, but just just in an ideal world you would feel like you could rest him or need to rest him. Then you lose to the Titans, then the Jets actually show like they get their act together for one game. Um, and then your offensive line is absolutely decimated to the point where everybody on it is injured. Um, Austin Jackson is the only starter from week one out there. And I'm sorry. She, it to a flat out admitted the offensive line's performance impacted my performance. And that's just the reality of it. You You can't. You know, we, we sat here and, and talked about the Jets and Carolina and Giants being layups because they got four replacement players on their offensive line. What do you think you are with four replacement players on your offensive line? Do you think you're any better than any other NFL team? Like you got replacement guys there. It's not gonna it's not gonna look the same. No, I, I agree with you. And and I but and I would say the four that the Dolphins are rolling out out there are still better than the four the Giants rolled out out there when they played. But uh, clearly, if you don't have your starting offensive line, it's not the same. And obviously, the more pressure is on the quarterback, the more difficult it is to produce. That's kind of kind of logic. You mentioned Tehran. I want to point out, because the Dolphins did walkthroughs, they did two walkthroughs today, off on Wednesday. Because of that, the injury reports for those two days were based on estimation. If we were doing a regular practice, this is what it would look like. And I guess it's encouraging that Teron Armstead went from a DNP Wednesday to today limited, as did Xavier Howard, as did Raheem Mostert. Now there's Xavier still five Howard with the hip, Raheem Mostert with the knee. Raheem generally does not practice on Wednesday. The hip is concerning for me. What was Javon Holland's status? Limited, right? Limited, but he was limited yesterday as well. You're talking about X for the hip? Yeah, um, yeah except there was a direct shot. It, I mean, it was a direct shot from Brandon Jones, so I don't know that there was strain or anything like that. I mean, it was just like hip contusion or whatever. Friendly fire, Brandon Jones. Twice now. Um, five guys were DNPs for the second consecutive day, including Eichenberg, who we mentioned, including Devon A. Chan with a toe injury. Those are not good for running backs. Nope, including Robert Hunt with the hamstring, including Deshaun Elliott with a concussion, and including Tyreek Hill with the ankle. We have to talk about Tyreek. Mike McDaniel was asked about Tyreek, and 
gave a very cool, interesting answer that basically said nothing, though, in terms of his status. Um, talked about him being in a good place. But everybody, everybody basically said if Tyreek Hill can play, he will play in the locker room. Coaches, oh, correct. But the question is, can he play? And we, I don't think we'll get any kind of indication about that until tomorrow, whether he steps on the practice field and tries to participate and tries to give it a go with that ankle. Um, you and I both know Tyreek is committed to getting to that 2000 yard threshold. Uh, so I expect him to play. Now, could the coaches protect him from himself? Possibly. But then again, Tyreek is in the Tehran Armstead status. And Tyreek dictates in the tides when he plays, when he doesn't play, when he practices, when he doesn't practice, and when he goes in the game, and when he doesn't come go in the game. Yeah. So, and Mike McDaniel runs an organization where certain players can decide those things, and Tyreek is obviously that player. One would think, I, but I do think Mike McDaniel has veto power ultimately if he sees things he doesn't like tomorrow at practice, for example. And dude, I'm I'm gonna go back to when I saw that injury on Monday night. I'm yeah. like thinking there's no way in hell he's playing. First of all, I, th I thought there was no way in hell he was coming back in that game. And then maybe the adrenaline kicked in, which is maybe what got him back into the game. Or that tore it all, but go ahead, continue. <laughs> adrenaline tore it all. I mean, yeah, just... adrenaline tore it all, same thing. Go ahead. Um, but based on that initial viewing of that injury, I'm like, how the hell can he possibly play? I mean. That was nasty. You know what's funny? I watched the All-22 um, video, not film, since uh, oh, one, yeah. of our, uh, <laughs> one of our one of our our followers um, followers makes it sound like it's a cult. One of our one of our family members mm -hmm. um, said basically, "Why do you call it film when you guys haven't looked at film in twenty years?" And you're right, it's video. Um, uh, his speed, Tyreek's speed, Tyreek was moving real fast um, when he did come back into yeah. the game and, and was playing. I, I just don't know, you know, we don't know. Tyreek, Tyreek said, I've watched um, It Need to Be Said, and he's talked about the program that he's on where somebody comes into town and beats up his body on Monday and Tuesday. Um, and I assume that that's what's happening um, around the clock treatment, somebody beating up his body, somebody caring for that ankle. Um, the question is, you know, will it get him to the point where he can be contributor or a factor? Also, ask Frank Smith today about um, because uh, about Chase Claypool, because a lot of people, including myself, have said, OK, you're having red zone issues. You need a big target. Um, why not use Chase Claypool in that role? And um, Frank Smith addressed the fact that he says he really likes him. He knows the offense. Um, they have pa a package for him. They just haven't gotten to it. A lot of times they have regret about not using that package um, after games. Uh, to me and my thought process, if you're Mike McDaniel and you know one, I got offensive line issues. Two, I might have to play this game without Tyreek Hill. Um, three, I got defensive issues in the secondary, which could impact the amount of points that we need to score or, or how we need to play the game. I'm playing this game a time of possession game. 
I'm leaning heavily on the run game, primarily, as you heard, if you paid attention to behind enemy lines with Antoine Staley, this Jets defense is not very good defending the run or haven't been this season. Um, you need to lean on your run game and all these packages that you've got for Chase Claypool, Braxton Berrios, um, Jalen Waddle. No, no, no. That there's no packages for Jalen Waddle. You you might have plays for Jalen Waddle, but it, it, all the attention is going to go to Jalen now, and it's going to be real difficult for him to to be the productive player. One unless, the you, unless you shift him and put him in the Tariq cheat motion, making the Tariq cheat motion guy. Somebody else has got him going to have to stretch the field, and that could be chosen and chosen Robbie chosen. Um, I know you're like whatever. Um, it, it, it's dude. I don't even have to say it. You 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 preempted me. So I was going to say it's absolutely right, Omar. Uh, but but the Barrios package, the the Robbie chosen package, the Claypool package, all of these packages better be packaged up and ready to be used because right now. You, like what you got if you don't have Tyreek and we'll learn that on Sunday. Yeah. It's just going to look different. I mean, I, I think the problem is, is Tyreek is good. And if you notice Mike McDaniel's answer to the question of, I don't know exact the phrasing, remember the phrasing of the question, but he talked about the impact that Tyreek has when he's on the field, even when he doesn't touch the ball, which sounds like something, Somebody who looks an awful lot like me has said all along, it's not just oh, the that guy wearing a Montreal hat. There you go. See, you no, know, you the guy with the expo hat has said said that all season long. That's a good look on you. Um, so we have to, to accept the fact that the Dolphins absolutely can have success moving the ball, but they're not going to get the 60 yard touchdown that's almost become, yeah, just the big plays like that. The 20 yard when Tyree comes back, like the end of the third quarter, immediately. <laughs> Can't take you seriously like that. Uh, <laughs> immediately, boom! Tyreek runs like a like a deep out, and he's again he's wide open, yeah, running on a bad wheel, and it boom, twenty five yards, and that's a that's a staple of the Dolphin offense, which obviously is not there if Tyreek doesn't play. Because as fast as Jalen Waddle is, he doesn't create that kind of separation the way Tyreek does. And he doesn't have that fear factor where he's going to take a safety with him, clearing out everything else. This is this is a situation where they're going to have to beat you honestly. And that means a quarterback is going to have to utilize every inch of blade of grass, every player, um, top from the tight ends to the fullback. And what's interesting is, and Frank Smith said this, and I remember bringing it up probably in episode number 22 of training camp. I was always very intrigued by the fact that Tua was throwing to a lot of different players. He wasn't always throwing to his number one guys. He was throwing to Braylon Sanders and rookies that weren't even going to make the team and Julian Hill and uh, Robbie Chosen. No, not Robbie Chosen because Robbie barely crushed Coleman. Chris Coleman and River Craker. And I'd be like, why is Tua working with so many guys who are not even going to make the team? Some guys weren't even going to make the team. And their line of thought and reasoning is, you got to get him comfortable working with everybody. You got to help him develop a feel for everybody because we never know when we're going to need that player. Well, lo and behold, today is the day or this is the week where you're going to need that player. And the River Craycrafts, the Braxton Berrioses, the Ch the Chase Claypools, the Robbie 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 Chosens, 
all of them, Cedric Wilson, let me not disrespect Cedric because he's been playing well and, and really turning it up. All of them, as I say, Sombrero is on you. Um, all of them need to step up and be more accountable and carry this offense because, truthfully speaking, Tua cannot do it on his own, and he certainly can't do it on his own with a troublesome offensive line. So guys are going to need to get open. And I, when I watched that all 22, nobody was getting open. Um, that's without Tyreek. Yeah, that, that was without Tyreek. And it's it's not going to be easy, but this is what December football is. And you learn from your lessons. The Dolphins gave away a game that they should have won. Um, you lick your wounds. and uh, That's been the theme of it. Lick your wounds, can't let it hang over. And the best way to to to, to get past a disappointment, which was a colossal collapse, is to colossal collapse. That's a tongue twister, right? Colossal the collapse. It was at the Coliseum because there'd be a colossal collapse at the Coliseum. That'd be a tongue twister. Right. Um, the best way to get past something like that is to line it up and get put it out there again. I think the defense, what, what? Again, this is me having done this a very, very long time. There is no like formula for getting past it. You're getting past it. You do or you don't. For example, this talk as I'm going to bring up an example. The, when the Dolphins lost that Monday night game against the Jets in 2000, after leading 30 to seven entering the fourth quarter. 2000. You bring yes. in something happened in 2000. I'm making a point here. Okay, I'm listening. Which, which you might appreciate if you'd actually let me say it. I apologize. Uh, for and the follow, it's okay. I'm going to put on the hat to make it to apologize to you again. <laughs> the following week, they were playing against Green Bay, and they were kind of sleepwalking through it. And all of a sudden, maybe those you know the talking heads and the narrative of, oh no, you know it's the uh, hangover from the Monday night loss. Boom, they get a punt return for a touchdown. They win twenty-eight to twenty. So my my point is, there's no such thing as, yeah. You, NFL players talk about the 24-hour rule. That game, hours. That game, no, 24 hours. Oh, okay. Look it up. The 48 today. I was like, oh, oh really? I, I and Christian Wilkins actually, when he spoke Tuesday, maybe said mm-hmm. the 24-hour rule, and that's what I've always heard. Anyway, 24 hours. 40 hours regardless, they need to. That game is done. You can't do anything about it. And there's mm-hmm. like this notion that are again. Lessons to be learned from it. What's the lesson? I mean, don't screw up in the back end in the final two minutes. And that's something else, by the way. Vic Fangio. Uh, 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 plenty of lessons. Go ahead. Like what? One, stop being a little B and run the damn ball. You're having success. When did they not run the ball? Uh, they're in, in the first instance in the red zone where they threw three straight time. You want, you want, you want a fact? Forgive me a fact. Because I'm going to go over facts. The Dolphins had four first and goals in the game. They ran the ball in first down three times. Okay. And, and how many? You only run on first and second and second down. Yeah. If it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. No. I want. I and want then, you. I want you to commit to the run. I want you to use your eye formation offense. I want you to actually physically because when you have subpar pass blocking on your offensive line. The best thing that you could do is just tee off on your defender on, on the defense and actually run the ball. No, 
Funny you should mention that and get ready to put the graphic, the alldolphins.com graphic, because I wrote about the running game today very extensively. It's one of the longer stories I've written in a while, and it's got a whole bunch of statistical research because I like to do that. Yes, he does. Okay. And the Dolphins, while they are still near the top in every category, they suck in short yardage. Uh, and there's another offshoot to that. But in that game against the Jets, they they tried to get the running game to close out the game after Tennessee scored to make it 27-21. They ran on first down. They ran on second down. Three yards, one yard. Mm-hmm. So now it's third and six. I know you're not suggesting you wanted them to run another play on to another run on third and six, are, are you? No, I'm I'm not. Okay, so your running game failed you there because you only gained four yards on two carries. And by the way, here's a I'm sorry, Omar. Here's another very important point. In short yardage, the running game has not delivered. The passing game has been. And for those listening to the to on, on the audio podcast. I am making a gesture as in it's stinking up the stinking up the joint. Horrible, the 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 short yardage passing success rate of the Dolphins. They got they're in a crisis mode. Um, what I am telling you is that this offensive line is a better run blocking line. You've had success running the ball. How about you shift your focus and stop being pass happy and become run centric? This is December football. You're playing a team that struggles against the run. It'll be beneficial and behoove you to actually be a physical running team and try, try that, try that approach. Especially, I don't, I don't disagree with you, but playing devil's advocate here, and I know some, based on the comments we've seen before, some people hate it when I do that. But sorry, part of who I am. If your offense, if your pass protection is bad because your offensive linemen aren't up to snuff because they're generally backups, chances are they're not going to be great at run blocking. Well, 101 yards tell say in the first half tell us different against Tennessee. Fair. Uh, 159 for the game. Uh done at crunch time though, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens. 158 for the game. Tell us oh, differently. Very good. No, uh, good. Raheem Mostert is the second leading rush r- second leading running back in the NFL. Uh, on page. I know that on my, my story on alldolphins.com, and you still haven't put up the. I did. I put it up and took it down. Where you alldolphins.com, where Poupart has eighteen thousand stories up today. Uh, you, you, you could you could look at it for free, no subscription, no paywall. You you click in, you type in alldolphins.com, it comes up, and you could read every story for free. Then for please, free. please do because I put in a lot of work on in those stories. It would. Yeah, one of my homies told me that 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 a newspaper won't say the name shook him down for twenty dollars a month for a subscription. I'm like, brother, you know we're free, free, for free. Um, listen, uh, I think that I don't have a doubt that Mike McDaniel knows what he needs to do in his DNA. He is a run game specialist. What are you drinking there? Ice, ice coffee. It's a watered-down iced coffee, yes. Okay. He is a run game specialist. That's how he made his bones in the NFL. That's how he worked his way up to a head coach. I'm sorry. I know you became obsessed with Tyreek and the passing game. But get to your DNA. Get to who you are and utilize that. You have the talent. You have the backs. It's time to pound it for this stretch. 
and shed this finesse label that you have because you're not a finesse team. You're built to play with power. You're built. You are built to play with power. That I formation, yeah. man. You tell me when that I formation struggles. Name name the play. It don't. And it's time that you actually utilize it. Again, if they were a power team that was so good in the I formation, the short yardage numbers would be a lot better than they are. That is true. But how often do they use the I formation for short yardage? Very little. Very rarely. Uh, that that part I did not do. That part of the research it took me about two hours to do the research that I did. So there's a lot in there. But and here's the thing: is we can't blame McDaniel in a big picture type of way for what he's done and what he's focused on because again, the talent on offense that makes this team special is what it's speed, it's Tyreek, it's it's Waddle, it's Mostert, and then you have the you have the quarterback who can get him the ball when when they get themselves open. So it would be to me counterproductive to go with a runner focused offense. However, you need to have that element functioning well and at key times. That's the important thing at key times down the stretch and in the playoffs. If you're going to make some noise, any, any concern on your end for the secondary and primarily the safeties. And yeah, and I was going to mention that as well. I wasn't able to get out there today, and but I obviously kept up on everything that was said. And I was little, little, I'll say if I was disappointed, but tad surprised that Vic kind of punted on what happened and whether there were miscommunication issues in the back end. And he's saying, no, no miscommunication issues. I got to call it better and we got to play it better. Okay, then please explain to me what the hell happened on the 36-yard completion to DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I'm falling on my sword. That's what happened. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And I mean, clearly, clearly there were breakdowns that centered around Cater Kohu during that game. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't like my reputation is not to pull punches. Like, no, 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 I don't, we don't, it, we don't, it, like, we don't like to point fingers. <laughs> and yeah, about three particular plays between Cater Kohu cost you a lot of yards and some points. Um, and in fairness to Cater, the safety play wasn't sensational as well, especially from a communication standpoint. And Vic Fangio said basically, my I you know, not having Javon Holland out there, serving as a quarterback of the defense, not have and he said Duke played well, and he said David Long played well, but. Your two communicators and you two quarterbacks of the defense are not on the field, and you don't think there's going to be a huge drop off. There is. I, I thought Duke, I thought Duke was fine. Uh, yeah, no, the the safety play was let's say less than stellar, and the thing is, Brandon Jones is. Let's let's be honest. His strength does not necessarily mesh with the what the safeties are asked to do in this scheme. Brandon Jones was just an absolutely perfect fit for the Brian Flores style defense. Was he? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Seems to me that you care to dispute that statement by all means. No, I'll let it ride. I'll let it ride. Okay. Um, nah, let it ride. Uh, I I think that they need Javon Holland back mm -hmm. this week. I think they need Teron Armstead back this week. Um, this is what you need to do to get to 10 wins, which is going to help you 
lock up the AFC East, your first goal, and continue to strive for home field advantage. I don't know what the line of this game is, but the more the week progresses and the more I learn about these injuries, the line should be shrinking. Keep talking. I'll look it up real quick. I know it started at 12, and I, last I checked, it was down to nine and a half. Yeah, I, 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 I think that line should be shrinking. But this is a great opportunity for the Dolphins to show you who they are as a team. And, and the resolve that they have and the focus that they have. They've got a lot of talent. They should be able to beat the Jets. The question is, can they execute on a short week without their top weapon, without key players on defense? Um, and I don't have the answer to that question. So, But that's why they play the games. Yep, yeah, I, I... Last thing I have from my end here is uh, Connor Orr, who is an NFL writer for Sports Illustrated, the national site, wrote a column almost imploring the Dolphins to sit out Tyreek Hill if they hope to make a deep playoff run. Basically the premise of A, get the offense rolling without him in case something happens on the stretch, and B, to make sure he doesn't aggravate the injury. And to me, it may well come down to the doctor's making the determination of the stability of the ankle. Forget there's going to be a pain tolerance issue involved here. And then there's going to be a stability of the ankle issue as well to where how susceptible is Tyreek to re-aggravating it, to making it work. If you've ever had, if you've ever had a sprained ankle, it's very easy to turn that thing uh, once when it's injured. So, and this, that may be the part where that may not be up to Tyreek. Tyreek may say, I can play through the pain, but if the doctor says, you know, starts looking at it and goes, yeah, he's going to respring that thing pretty easily. And that's where, to me, McDaniel has to step in and go, yeah, Tyreek set that one out. And yeah. out right now, sorry, Omar, right now he needs like it's 114.5 yards per game to reach 2,000. If he doesn't play, uh, because I think, like it or not, no matter how much you're going to talk about team goals, that's in the back of Tyreek's mind to, to reach 2,000. If he doesn't play, I did the math. I think it was a buck 53 or something from the in the final three games. So that's a lot um, against against Dallas, Baltimore, and Buffalo. Yeah, uh, I think we'll talk a little bit more about Tyreek on Friday when we kind of get a, a, a glimpse of whether or not he practices or participates. If he does not participate tomorrow uh yeah he ain't playing in my opinion um but we shall see uh this has been the all dolphins podcast you know how to find us on all your audio platforms alldolphins.com for the written work and we will be back tomorrow to wrap up the work week for the miami dolphins and then saturday you know how we do we do our live chat so um omar you gotta, you gotta close it out in style man right come on all right all right. There we go. On that, we'll see you tomorrow.